Welcome to Raiders on the Record, the podcast featuring Hastings High School Athletics. I'm Athletic Director Trent Hansen. My colleague Tim Hanneberg and I work together to bring you the stories of Raiders sports. We are thrilled to share conversations with the athletes, coaches, and alumni that represent Raider Nation. Check back weekly and be sure to share this podcast with your friends in the Raiders Network. Eric Ellingworth is originally from Redwood Falls, Minnesota, and comes from a family of educators, with his mom being a longtime English teacher and father who was a superintendent of the Redwood School District for 27 years. During high school, he participated in football, basketball, and track and field, where he was All-State his senior year, and captain of each sport as well. After graduation, he attended Augustana University where he competed in football. Eric taught and coached for one year in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and then three years at Hastings High School, where he taught civics and coached varsity football, middle school track, and ninth grade girls basketball. Eric then became a football grad assistant for three seasons at the University of Florida before working for the New York Jets. For the last four years, Eric has been a college scout for the Dallas Cowboys, where he currently works. Eric brings a unique perspective from coaching sports at the middle school level all the way to being part of the NFL and has great insight into the importance of coaches and mentors in one's life. All right, here we are with Eric Ellingworth. Eric, whenever we have a guest on, we always start at the beginning of their life. So let's hear about your life growing up. Where did you grow up at? Let's hear about your mom, dad, uh, any brothers, any sisters. Uh, once again, let's hear about your life growing up and what that looked like. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, I appreciate you having me on once again. Um, but no, I grew up in, in a small town in southwestern Minnesota, a town of about just short of 6,000 people called Redwood Falls, Minnesota. Um, I graduated from Redwood Valley High School in 2006, but lived there my whole life growing up. Um, mom and dad. Uh, both together in the house, had an older brother, have an older brother, younger sister. And, uh, you know, I, I really look at my childhood and I was extremely blessed, extremely fortunate. I was raised by, in my opinion, the best people I've ever met. Um, my two parents, um, my dad, um, he started out as a, a business, business education teacher, a business, uh, yeah, he taught business courses back. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I think he taught typing and, and, uh, how to work a computer back when, uh, uh, you know, there were probably few computers around. So this is back in the, you know, late seventies, early eighties. I mean, I don't know. He was probably teaching typing on a typewriter back then, but then he, he was also the head football coach, coach baseball. Um, you know, I think he did a lot of things, um, in the high school. And then he became the middle, middle school principal for a while, um, athletic director. And then once he, once he got an administration, he, he was no longer the head football coach, he gave that up. But I think he, he did that for about 14 years or so. And then, um, and then was the superintendent at Redwood Valley high school for 27 years. And, um, then my mom was a, a senior high English and, and she, she taught French for seven years, but most of her career, she was teaching English, creative writing, things of that nature. And she did that for 36 years. Um, and then actually retired my first year teaching. So, um, you know, growing up in a town like Redwood, extremely supportive community, you know, I played three sports in high school and the, the gym was packed for every basketball game. 
There's tons, the, the whole town was at football games. It's such a supportive community community in terms of supporting the school, the athletic programs, the fine arts. It was, um, it's ideal. I, I love, when I went to college, I'd bring kid, uh, you know, my teammates back home uh, for a, a long weekend or whatever, and we'd go work out at the weight room or I'd show them the facilities. And these are guys that, you know, played at much bigger high schools in the Twin Cities or other parts of the country, and they were in awe of uh, the kind of support that we had in Redwood. So it was, it, it was a, a, a great childhood, you know, growing up with parents at the school, I always had keys to the gym. You know, sports were always a, a fun part, you know, an important part of my life. Um, and then uh, at the same time, too, you know, people think, oh, your parents are teachers. You probably got away with a lot. No, 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 no. Like <laughs> if you ever screwed up, they were the first people to find out about it. And my my uh, my parents were pretty uh, disciplinary. And so, uh, you know, I, I tried to be as straight laced as possible. But also older brother, younger sister, uh, two two amazing siblings that really, you know, I think my older brother especially you know just kind of being close in age and following his footsteps as an athlete growing up like I was blessed to kind of be shown the way you know I think it's probably tough being the oldest sibling you got nobody to show you the way and I was fortunate as a middle child I had somebody and hopefully my younger sister would look at the two of us and say we showed her a, a little bit of the way as well but now I have a younger sister as well who um you know she's uh She's an ideal human being. She, now she robbed the gene pool of all the um, intelligence in the family. My mom, my mom and dad, I feel like are very intelligent people. Um, my sister is, you know, I, I probably hesitate a little bit if I throw myself in that conversation. I, and uh, my brother's very intelligent too, but uh, I think he would point the finger at my sister saying, hey, she got the brains in the family for sure. <laughs> Save their best for last. I like that. That's, That's right. Nice. <laughs> So this is mainly a sports podcast. We focus around sports mainly. So, um, what do you think your what do you think your best or one of your earliest sports memories was growing up? Uh, growing up, it's uh, it's got to be okay. This was uh, shoot. This would have been eighth grade. Okay, it's the the craziest story ever. But um, my traveling basketball team went to a Timberwolves game at the end of the season. It was actually Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, there were like these little events going on in the concourse of the Target Center. And this is back when the Timberwolves were really good at basketball. They were Kevin Garnett, um, you know, Joe Smith. I mean, it wasn't, it was pre Latrell Sprewell, um, Sam Cassell, but I mean, they were making the playoffs year in and year out. Um, well, anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm in the concourse and there's these little games going on. And, someone who works for the, the Timberwolves is like, Hey, they see us little eighth graders and our traveling basketball shooting shirts. And they're like, Hey, do you, uh, you kids want to, um, be in a dunk contest or try out for a dunk contest at halftime? We have this little hoop, like seven feet or whatever, show us your best stuff. So I did like a 360 and threw it home and they're like, Hey, we, we want you to come down at halftime to do this during the game of a Timberwolves game <laughs> playing the Kings and the Kings were really good at Peja. Stoyakovich, Mike Bibby, Chris Weber, like they were the team in the West at the time. Um, so it was a big game. So anyway, I go down and uh, I win this dunk contest at the Timberwolves game, long story short. And the dunk that I did to win it, I threw the ball in the air. I was wearing a Kevin Garnett jersey. I took the undershirt off that I was wearing underneath. I took the jersey off, so I'm bare-chested. And I'm a pre-puberty 
<laughs> eighth grader with, um, you know, just like scrawny. I should not be showing off my chest, you know, but I would take my jersey off. I, I grab the ball in the air. I do a 360 and I win the dunk contest. They gave me a free Wally Zerbiak jersey um, as, a, as a prize. But the coolest thing was I went back home that night, caught the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. Um, Tom Brady ended up beating the Rams. Adam Vinatieri kicked a game-winning kick, and uh, I go to bed. Right, all of a sudden, my brother is still up. He's in the basement watching Sports Center, and Stuart Scott um, says, "Hey, here we go. We got the, the Timberwolves and the Kings. Check out Eric Ellingworth dunk contest, little kids dunk contest." Anyway, my brother freaks out. He wakes everybody in the house up. He's like, "Eric was just on Sports Center." So that was a cool sports mo moment I had as a kid. It's pretty rare, just right place, right time. Uh, but, you know, I, I've got that clip saved that, you know, Stuart Scott said my name and let off the Timberwolves highlights showing, showing my uh, little kids dunk contest that, I don't know, I, I obviously had a lot of confidence as a kid to be showing off a uh, very bad body back then. <laughs> no, that uh, I, for I did – forget about that before today and i did remember about that today because i know you usually kind of post that clip every once in a while you know so uh, i was going to bring that up so i'm glad you brought that up another thing kind of along the same lines i, I want to bring up here before we get into the rest of the questions was your dad was highlighted in sports illustrated is that correct or was it a different magazine that is correct yeah, sports so, illustrated yeah so you were in you were on an espn uh doing your awesome dunk and then your dad when he was in high school was uh in a sports illustrated article just talk about that here real quick about your dad, kind of the the two Ellingworth boys kind of making it big in the sports world. Yeah. So my dad was also young at the time. I think he was, uh, they, they did this piece on him when he was 15 or 16. He was the starting sophomore. He was a starting quarterback on his varsity team as a sophomore. And uh, Sports Illustrated was doing an article about the impact that the television had on sports within, you know, families across the country. So they went to small town Morristown, Minnesota, where my dad was, uh, you know, his dad had recently passed and he was pretty much uh, helping my grandma run the dairy farm. He's oldest of six kids and uh, also playing three sports there in the high school was a starting quarterback. And so they they followed him around and took a few quotes. And uh, I think some of the quotes he, he was describing how he practices his, his rollouts and his uh, five step drop, you know, out there. Uh, you know, in between milking cows early in the morning or, or late at night after school and kind of out there by himself. But, you know, one of the things he said, you know, he's visualizing guys like Joe Namath and Roger Staubach, um, you know, it, which was pretty cool. But, yeah, they did a big piece on him on, you know, um, kind of showcasing, hey, how, how the, foot, the game of football has grown um, across the country. And now it's in it's in people's living rooms, whether you're a, a small town dairy farmer or um, living in a big city. So it was, it was a cool deal. And yeah, it's uh, he doesn't talk about it much or he doesn't talk about himself all that much at all. But uh, yeah, that's one of those, like I'll bet very few people, I, I'm surprised you remember that, but yeah, very few people know that about my dad, but mm -hmm. Pretty it's, cool. uh, it's a big deal for sure. Pretty sweet. So Eric, let's hear about the sports you played growing up. I typically like to start stop right before high school, so maybe seventh and eighth grade, or if you want to talk about seventh and eighth grade too, that'd be great. So let's hear about the sports you played growing up and the impact these sports had on your lives and on your life. Yeah, so uh, growing up, you know, 
I think it's really important that kids today do this too. And I, I was, I was blessed to have some people that pointed me in the right direction, but I did it all. I played, there was a ball I was playing it. You know, I, I grew up playing baseball, basketball, touch football, or, or sometimes tackle football. If my mom didn't know about it. Um, uh, you know, wrestled, um, uh, that was a short lived career. Uh, you know, my cousins were very good wrestlers and also, uh, um, you know, my cousin, uh, Maddie Vite was also a very good wrestler at the time. I don't think she ever did it formally, but she beat me up quite a bit, uh, after, after wrestling with those, with Maddie and, and John Paul and, and Luke Vite um, quite a bit growing up, I figured out I couldn't hang with those guys. So, uh, I, I gave up on wrestling pretty quick. Um, but no, I did it all. Um, and then once in Redwood, you know, once you get seventh grade, you, you pick one each season. And so, um, I played football in the, in the fall, played basketball in the winter and then track in the spring. And I kind of, I did that throughout my high school experience, but I'm really blessed to, for where I grew up, there was no cuts or anything. And I was a bit of a late bloomer. Um, so I think of like places I've lived now living in Florida and now I live in, um, you know, the Dallas Fort Worth area. And, um, you know, if I had grown up in Dallas Fort Worth, I would have been cut no doubt, you know, um, I think of how blessed I am to grow up in a small town where they invested in my development in, in the youth sports level and kept me interested, things like that. And whereas in, you know, other parts of the country, I just wouldn't have been good enough, you know, like I said, late bloomer. And really it wasn't until 10th grade where I really kind of to catch my stride a little bit as an athlete, but ninth grade, for sure. There was, there was no ninth grade team in Minnesota. I should have been starting on, you know, mm -hmm. so uh, I'm blessed to have such a support system and a positive youth youth sports experience. Kept me interested, kept me motivated, and let me grow and develop. And you know, it's uh, it's cool how that worked out. For sure. So, Eric, uh, we stopped about ninth grade there with your sports that you played in high school. If you want to just give us a brief kind of run through of high school, any major accomplishments that went along with the three sports you played with football, basketball, and track and field. And then uh, we'll kind of slowly get into your college career as well. Oh, hey, Timo. Yeah. Dude, I totally forgot to mention the highlight of my youth sports <laughs> was being the water boy on the varsity football team. Yeah. Um, that we was it, huh? So good. To this day, I it's it's crazy because it like it shows the impact that like varsity athletes have on the youth. Mm -hmm. If you ask me, Eric, your senior year of high school football, give me the starting lineup. Couldn't do it. You said, Eric, your first year as a water boy in third grade, the varsity team of the 1997 Redwood Valley Cardinals hit me with it. I would re I would tell you yeah, every no. position, got it down like this. I'm 34 years old, and I, re I remember that season like it was yesterday. I remember those guys. But, no, it was cool. But, all right, sorry. <laughs> no, I like it, actually, because that's one thing I've been talking. Um, one thing that I'm trying to do maybe with this podcast or in sports in general, you know, reinvesting in our youth and either with our coaches or our kids too. So I've been talking to either and our wrestlers too, but um, our baseball team, we're going to have a phenomenal baseball season, season this year too. So kind of reinvesting into our youth and getting those kids at the youth practices. Cause just like you said, that was one of the biggest highlights of your high school career or not high school career. One of the biggest sports highlights for you was uh, seeing was being part of that team, you know, and seeing those older kids, and it was something that you probably remember when you were in high school and you probably saw that little kid on the sideline running the water in, you probably knew exactly what that kid was going through, you know? So it's one of those things that 
uh, one of those wheels just kind of keeps on moving along uh, in time here, you know, so pretty neat. No doubt. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's hear about your high school career. Uh, Once again, anything major that goes along with any of those sports you played, uh, we could talk about captain or all state or all conference or anything that goes along with each of the sports that you played. Sure. Yeah. So uh, once I got to high school, um, you know, like I said, I was a late bloomer. So ninth grade, I I played, played football, basketball, ran track, but um, I wasn't really very good at any three of those. Um, You know, I was just under, but I was probably five, three, 120 pounds. And then, um, you know, hit a, hit a big growth spurt that summer going into 10th grade. Um, And I think 10th grade, I was five, 10, um, you know, probably 100, 145, 150 pounds, but hit, hit a growth spurt. And that was, I came out of my sophomore football season feeling like I might be okay at this sport. You know, mm-hmm. I was still, I was playing quarterback for the most part, but still flirting with playing receiver. And so I do a little of both and uh, really found like, wow, I like I've, I've improved a lot. Um, and then uh, also, you know, I, I say puberty happened, but also I was forced my my older brother accomplished a ton in his high school career. He was a three-time state champion in track you know, twice in the 300 meter hurdles, once in the 400, four by one, hundred meter relay, you know, he rewrote our record books in, uh, in football, you know, most catches and yards at the time in, in school history for both season and career, got a scholarship to run football or play football and run track at Augustana. Um, so I got, I was modeled the work ethic, the drive, um, the, the, the overall work habits that you need to have to, to really maximize your potential. So combination of that that blueprint with puberty um you know he, he showed me the way so once I kind of hit that growth spurt my work ethic really improved like I was dialed in to to uh, football and track especially I kind of played basketball I enjoyed basketball but in the summer months I was I was training for football and, and track especially so um you know moving on you know my my sophomore and junior year in football the varsity team, we, we'd gone to state for the first time in school history, my sophomore year. Um, you know, I, I didn't play as a sophomore, but um, kind of got shown what a championship football team looked like. And then my junior year, I started on defense at corner. Um, also was our starting kick and punt returner and then played some receiver as well. And we went back to state and, um, you know, we won the conference for the first time in 10 years. So that was, that's, was a highlight for me in football you know, being part of championship teams there. And then in track, I was on pace to have a really good track year. I was running the 300 hurdles. It's on our four by one um, and had one of the top times in our section and 300 hurdles. And I got hurt about a month before the um, subsection track meet. I ended up pulling a hip flexor really bad during a race. Um, and so really my, my junior track year was stripped from me a little bit and mm-hmm. You know, with, with my brother's success in track, and I really did enjoy running track, I was so focused on getting to the state track meet and, and kind of filling his shoes a little bit. He set the bar pretty high, and I appreciated that because it, 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 it pulled the best out of me. But then my senior year, I had a really good year individually in football. Um, you know, I, I uh, statistically, you know, kind of jumped towards the top of the record books at, at my high school. I was named all conference and all area. Um, you know, we, we didn't have much success as a team that year, but um, I think that year combined with my, my summer, I went to some camps, started getting recruited to play college football. 
Um, you know, I was a, I think the thing I was proudest about my senior year was I was a captain in all three sports, football, basketball, and track. Um, you know, as a, a starter, my senior year in basketball, uh, you know, high school football where I played, I, I look back my athletic career, the hardest, the most probably I've ever exerted energy wise would have been playing high school football games my senior year because you you're playing both ways, offense, defense, special teams. Like I, I, I never came off the field. Remember those those Saturday mornings, I'd be pretty sore. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, and then, you know, got through basketball. We were about a 500 team. And uh, I was starting point guard and then played some two guard later in the season. We had some really good younger guys. Michael Felt went on to play at North Dakota State Division One. you know, made the NCAA tournament. Um, so he made life easy when he got bumped up the varsity. All I had to do was pass him the ball. <laughs> he would shoot and we we had some success. But no, we had, we had a decent year there and then got to track season. And my whole goal, it, it was as soon as the football season ended, and I was focused on basketball, but, but my attention was I, I need to get to the state track meet. Mm -hmm. That was my goal, um, you know, and I was blessed to have my older brother who had modeled how to do that. You know, you don't just get to track season and get like, you got to be getting in shape year round. You got to be in the weight room. You got to be focused on technique and form and really just, I, I remember my senior year in track, I wanted to win every workout. You know, we had another kid who was a really good 400 runner. A lot of days I wouldn't win workouts because he was probably a little faster than I was, but we were at each other trying, pushing one another, you know, in a competitive arena. And um, it was an interesting track season. I, I got off to a fast start, was, was um, you know, hitting PR after PR, was had one of the faster times in the state. Um, and then we got to the subsection meet, and for whatever reason, I, I was hitting hurdles. My times were slowing down. I had the one of the worst races of my life, a subsection meet to the point where I barely made the fast heat of the section race. I was out in lane seven and I felt like, and I've, I've thought of this many times in my 15 years, 17 years, however long ago that was moving on of like, I wanted something so bad that I pressed so hard for it. And I failed in the subsection meet. I got to sections with the, in out in lane seven with the sixth or seventh fastest time coming in. And I remember talking to my dad a couple of days before, and he said, you got to get out of your head, just run, just have fun, go out there. And really, I think in my entire tracker, that section race at Pipestone, I ran free. I just was like, whatever happens, happens. I put the work in. I'm out here lane seven. I can't see anybody else. I can see lane eight. I just took off. And by the time I came around, the top two go to state. And then if you run the the state qualifying time, you also get to go. And that's the average fifth place finisher over the past five years. So I got beat right at the end where I got third place, but I ran the fastest time of my life and qualified for the state meet. So going to the state meet, I was fourth in prelims. Uh, I ran a decent prelim time. I think I was third going into finals and uh, ran a terrible race in the state finals, hit about every hurdle you could hit. I ended up getting eighth place, but the top eight get all state. So I guess I could say I was all state and track. Um, would have liked to place a little better than I did, but looking back on it, it was uh, it was a positive high school, you know, sporting experience. And I think uh, none of that success would have happened had I not had the parents I had kind of helping me along the way, being super supportive, and um, and my older brother just kind of. He had a ton of success and he had a lot of success because he worked as hard as he did and kind of showed me the way. And 
you know, I, I, I always said, I want to be a state champion like my brother. I want to break his records. And I didn't do either of those things, but like I wouldn't have accomplished mm-hmm. or, or kind of reached my ceiling had it not been for the bar he set. For sure. I think one of the, one of the things I always remember about your story about placing your senior year at the state tournament is uh, Mr. Veit, you know, and uh, Mr. Veit's your uncle and uh, Uncle Paul to you, Mr. Veit yep. to everybody else or Coach Veit. And then, uh, so I'm pretty lucky to work with him for the past 12 years. And many of our listeners know him extremely well as well, uh, or worked with him or been able to coach with him. So one of my favorite things is that after you placed eighth, somehow he got onto the track at Hamlin, correct? <laughs> and uh, found his yep. way over to you. And uh, you could tell the story because obviously it happened to you. So I-, I love the story though. I remember like it was yesterday and it was, you know, I would run well in prelims. Like I said, you know, my goal by the time I hit finals was like, all right, I got the third fastest time here. The, the guy that won the state champ, he had won it the past couple of years. Like there was no touching him. The guy that got second was in my section. Um, I hadn't beat him at all the entire year. It's kind of like, as long as those guys don't hit any hurdles, they're probably going to finish first and second. So my goal is if I can just, I think I can get third. I think I can get third. Well, I hit every hurdle along the way. I probably went back to my old ways of pressing too hard and and uh, getting in my head a little bit. And I ran a bad race, one of my worst times of the year. And, uh, you know, obviously very emotional. Like, I remember just very teary-eyed, felt like I didn't accomplish my goals. A lot of work went into it. And, yeah, uh, Uncle Paul was in the stands watching and – you know, at state meet, nobody's allowed on the infield. There's security everywhere. There's guys, you know, the gunmen, the the guys looking for DQs if you're crossover lane or whatever. And somehow he bypassed all that. And it was like less than a minute after the race. I'm on the infield. The athletes are allowed there. And I feel this bear hug over me. And it was my Uncle Paul gives me a hug. He said, wow, I'm so proud of you. You're all state. You are all state. He is so fired up for me. And I'm in tears because I felt like I ran terrible. Mm-hmm. And I think looking back, you know, I was in my feelings in that moment. But looking back, you know, he has a special way of reminding you of, like, all the work you put in, you know, the level of focus and drive and sacrifice you made. Like, you accomplished a ton by, you know, that amount of sacrifice. And so when you don't accomplish what your initial goal was, you know, as long as I read this quote, you know, in that book, Legacy, it was like, you know, if your goals fall short, make sure they fall to a steep mountain. Mm-hmm. You know, like you may not hit the mountaintop, but like you're, you're going to accomplish a lot. And so he had a just him giving me a hug and saying, you're all state. Like it was a reminder of, hey, you got a lot to be proud of. You got a lot to be, you know, thankful for. And, and, and it's all because of the work you put in. And I'm blessed to have family members and just a, and coaches growing up that like, um, truly supported me and believed in me, but also they didn't just tell me what I wanted to hear. You know, I had a lot of people that just, uh, you know, they kept it real with me, you know, and, and, and um, you know, it, I'm blessed to have an uncle Paul, you know, and I still remember that like it was yesterday feeling so low and him building me up in, in just a few words. For sure. So you graduate from Redwood Valley high school. Just walk us through the recruiting process, what that was like for you. Um, and obviously you're kind of doing that with, with all sorts of kids now, you know, and uh, kids that are going to college and, and now kind of moving past that as well. So um, walk us through what that looked like for you in the recruiting process, where you ended up, 
And then if you want to walk us through your college career as well, let's hear about that. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I, I went to a couple camps this summer before I went to uh, play my senior football season. My junior year, you know, I played strictly defense and I was OK. Like I was blessed to be on a championship team, but um, I think uh, I wasn't a defensive player. You know, I just so basically my point being there was no film of me out there to get recruited. So I ended up I was like, well, I think I'm a good receiver. I'm going to go to these camps and I caught some eyes at some camps. And then had a good football season. So I sent my tape out to some schools. My brother was already playing in Augustana. They knew of me. Um, they came to a couple of games my senior year. Um, so I went on a couple of official visits. I went to Concordia St. Paul um, on a visit. I went to Augustana on a visit. Um, and then St. John's was a Division three school that uh, rich tradition. Um, I had grown up. Uh, one of my best friends in high school is my quarterback, Luke Radel. His older brother, Jeff, played there. And from the time I was sixth grade on, his dad, Jody, and mom, Diane, would take me to games with Luke. And I kind of fell into that St. John's culture. But more so, I think I did because they let anybody play football. There was like 180 guys on the roster. And like I said, growing up, I wasn't very good, but I wanted to play. And uh, I knew that was be a, be a place. Well, then I started playing okay, and they became a real possibility of going there. And they were recruiting me, and I was like, wow, I could actually play here dream come true but um took so took official visits got scholarship offers from concordia st paul and augustana um and then uh ended up ended up playing in augustana committing there um you know end of january of my senior year of high school and um you know you know i think though the reason i chose augustana was was twofold like they have, they have great academics and i was academically driven but that really didn't play a huge role i think the biggest thing my brother went there I had never gotten to play with my brother. Um, you know, I we ran track together. I was a freshman, he was a senior. We both did the hurdles, but never got to play football with him. We were always just on, I was on the freshman team, he was on the varsity team. So it was a cool opportunity to play two years of football with him in college. Um, and also they were playing in the NCC at the time and they were a little, I, in my mind, they were a little better program than Corey St. Paul. and. Um, I feel like I, I really wanted to play at the highest level at the best program I possibly could play at. Like I was all into this. I want to maximize my ability. And if I go there and I don't fit in, I can't play and I'm not very good not to take a uh, easy route out, but I was like, I can always figure this out later, transfer elsewhere. But I wanted to give those, both those two things, uh, an opportunity, opportunity to play with my brother and play at the highest level I, I could possibly play at. Sure. So I went to Augustana and redshirted my first year. I weighed 165 pounds, and uh, they put weight on me quick. Um, was in the weight room a ton and eating a ton. And, uh, you know, by the end of my redshirt year, I was 185, 187 pounds um, and got to a level physically that I could hang in. Um, you know, you can't you can't play at 165 pounds in that league. And and I, I added some weight. Um and the coolest thing about, you know, in high school, I was good because I felt like I was a good route runner. I could catch the ball, but I was fast. I could separate. I, I could win those one-on-ones. In college, everybody's fast. Mm -hmm. Everybody is is more physically gifted than, you know, or at least as or, or more than I am. Everyone was the best player on their high school team. Such a competitive environment. Um, and I found out quickly, like, if I want to play, like, I have to embrace the physical elements of this game. So – 
I was like, and I have to embrace the mental aspect. So like my goal is like, yeah, I'm going to train as hard as I can train, but that might not get me to the level of playing you know, early in my career. I need to become a great blocker and I need to um, dial in. I, I need to be one of the smartest guys in the field. And I think that was my recipe of ingredients. And we had a ton of success as a team. Um, we still this day are the winningest. We have the winningest season in Augustana history my senior year. We went to the national quarterfinals, lost to Duluth, who ended up winning the national championship that year in 2010. Um, my senior year, I was uh, all-conference, honorable mention. So, you know, that was just the result of I, was, I wasn't a big-time player or anything. I was a do-your-job type player. I was good at moving the sticks in the short and intermediate areas. I was a good blocker. Felt like my team, teammates trusted me. Um, but I look back at my college career, and I was blessed to have great coaches, great teammates that elevated my my game. And uh, I think that that work ethic my brother and dad instilled in me, you know, in high school, I carried over to college. And, um, you know, I, I think as a player, I maximized my potential. I was as good as I possibly could have been, which uh, – I was I was a role I was a role player I was never the go to guy. <laughs> That's all right. So you graduate from Augustana. You end up here in little old Hastings, Minnesota. So walk us through that. I spent a little bit of time here in Hastings. So walk us yep. through your time here in Hastings. What you did, what you coached, uh, any maybe uh, memorable memorable uh, moments. Your name just popped up the other day, actually, too, in a, in a podcast with uh, Hannah Norman. Now she's Hannah Junker. So your name popped up in that podcast. So. Uh, walk us through your time once again in the uh, little old Hastings, Minnesota. Yeah. So uh, right after college, I got a teaching job at Sioux Falls, Washington. Coached, uh, was a volunteer football coach and then uh, was the varsity hurdle coach in track and then coached social studies there for a year. And then I always wanted to get back to Minnesota. Um, there was a social studies opening, excuse me, in Hastings. Uh, interviewed uh, Mike Johnson, ended up hiring me. And then I also interviewed with Dana Strain and they had a, a position to coach the receivers um, on the varsity football team. So I came to Hastings, honestly, and this is, I'm not just saying this because this is a Hastings podcast. I truly, I think about this all the time. I think in my adult life, the most fun, the best three years of my life was teaching and coaching at Hastings. Um, you know, whether it's the relationships I, I've made with students, players, staff, um, that was so much fun. And uh, for me as a young professional, it helped me um, really grow up a little bit, um, you know, because you're going from being a student and a player to a leader as a teacher and a coach and also but still a teammate, you know, with a lot of your staff. But, yeah, that, I was uh, I coached varsity football. I was receivers. I worked with receivers, um, you know, kind of helped out on the offensive side of the ball in my last year. It was either the last year or last two years I was the special teams coordinator um, as well, and I really enjoyed doing that. Then I taught uh, ninth grade civics, and then my last year I also taught 10th grade world studies, and um, that was that was great. I, I, miss, I miss teaching a lot, um, and, and the staff at Hastings is special. Like, I mean, you, Coach Olson, Coach Welch, Coach, Coach Strain, Cook, uh, Fritzy, those – I mean – we had a lot of fun, but like, those are great guys that, that work their tail off, um, you know, for not a lot of money now mm -hmm. at, at all that just really give of themselves. And I, I think back to that experience, like I was so blessed to be in that environment. I had so much fun, 
but so much professional growth that went on during that time as well. A couple of a big time memory. Oh, I, I got to throw in there. I also coached girls basketball in the winter time. I think I did ninth grade for two years and then seventh grade girls for a, a third year. Also coached middle school track my three years there. Uh, you, you were also on staff. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, school I don't track know what I did. It could be considered being on staff here, but I just, uh, I sat by the sand pit and raked and listened to D wall tell some stories. So if you want to say I was yeah. on staff, I was on staff. That's fine by me. And, and you were probably, uh, you and coach D wall were my, um, you know, positive influence. Cause there are some of those days like screaming at seventh grade, come on, get your knees up. I'm like <laughs> pulling my hair. I like let's go. And you guys were always great to help me along them, but no, it was, uh, that was a great experience, but a couple of the best memories I had, you know, football wise, I think when that first year I was there, I think, you know, um, we beat Creighton Durham Hall in football. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had got our butts kicked the first two weeks, but that second week we played Woodbury and we had a great second half. We were getting smoked and we came back and made it a game where we had a chance to go down at the end of the game, tie the game, put it into overtime. You know, we, we fell short of that, but we had some positive momentum. Like I remember coming out of that game, like we can play with these teams. Mm -hmm. And the next week, you know, they had, I think on that team, Crete and Durham Hall had four, two power five, football players and I think four division one football players Connor Rhoda ended up starting a couple of games at quarterback with the with the Gophers um uh who was the stud mm -hmm. receiver James Onowalu went mm -hmm. and played at Notre, Notre Dame, Dame yeah. and He's then a, in the NFL for a while yeah. the running back went and played at Eastern Michigan um his sister was like I think his sister plays in the WNBA uh what Bantam Bantam was his last name but anyway we we beat Crete and Durham Hall and that was to this day one of the coolest wins I've ever been a part of you know small town Hastings which in football was like bottom of the enrollment in 5a at that time you know we we're just on the cusp and then the next year they they created 6a but um it was a cool really cool win um some other cool stories like I just love the day-to-day -day in school just you know getting with my students and trying to think of a way to pull a prank on uh, coach Olson or or Coach McClay or uh, Coach Welch. So we had some we had some good times doing that. But now it, it's one of those like everybody's cliche. Iron sharpens iron. Like when you're around a Josh McClay or Tim Hanneberg or Paul Olson or Paul Bite, you know Dana Strain. I mean, I mean those are guys that want to win. Mm -hmm. You know they want to win the right way, and you see that, and you just for basic observation, conversation, like it brings out the best of you. And I think. My time at Hastings really built the foundation of, you know, kind of a winning culture and striving for, for excellence. For sure. So you're teaching in Hastings and then this awesome opportunity down in Florida kind of pops up and kind of, I guess, just lands in your lap. So walk us through, I'm sure it was really hard. I know, as you just said, you loved your time here in Hastings. So uh, walk us through what this opportunity was, what it kind of led to, and then if you want, we could go step-by-step kind of where we are today and, and what you do today. Cause uh, it was just a couple of years ago too. So kind of walk us through what happened here to you and, and then where we are, uh, where we, where you landed today. Yeah. So um, kind of bring you through. So I remember being in, you know, I was teaching fifth period civics and a guy gave me a call and this guy was my receiver coach at Augustana my senior year. Um, he was a GA my sophomore, junior year, but he worked with tight ends. He was like the tight ends coach and offensive GA. His name's John Van Dam. 
And um, he and I grew really, really close. Like we had a great receiver coach up until, you know, through my junior year, he was also our head coach, Brad Salem. He had left to take the running backs job at Michigan State. So it created an opportunity for Coach Van Dam to slide into that receiver role. And I remember just like, you know, he, he and I hit it off from the jump. We are obviously knew each other from him being a GA his sophomore, junior year. But like, I was a 22 year old, fifth year senior receiver, and he was probably a 25 year old, you know, first year receiver coach. And uh, I think I was kind of seen as one of the smarter guys in the room, football wise, maybe not off the field, but um, or in the classroom, but on the field, that football's kind of come easy to me. So, anyway, John Van Dam ended up leaving Augustana, climbed the coaching ranks, went and GA'd at, at um, Alabama. Uh, was reconnected with his old quarterback coach, Doug Nussmeyer. So that's a key name to remember in this whole circle. Um, so he was his quarterback coach at Michigan State, reconnected with him at Alabama. Nuss was the offensive coordinator. And then spent two years there, went and coached at Michigan for a year, and then those two left Michigan to go coach at Florida. <clears throat> so John Van Dam calls me, fifth period civics. And I'm getting like back-to-back missed calls. I silence it. You're not supposed to have your cell phone out as a teacher. You're not supposed to ever answer a call. He kept calling. So I, I thought maybe it was an emergency. You know, I, I just said to my class, hey, I'm sorry, guys. I got to take this call right now. Go out in the hallway. I was like, hey, John, I got 20 more minutes of class left. Can, can I call you right after? I had uh, my uh, my duty was right after. And so uh, I, had, I had some free time to, to call him in six periods. So he's like, yeah just promise you'll call me in 20 minutes. So I call him back. He said, Hey, I don't mean to ruin your life. I know you're very happy at Hastings doing what you're doing. And he was, he's right. I I loved my life at Hastings. My whole goal at Hastings was like, you know, career path. I wanted to kind of go down the path. My dad did. I wanted to be a head football coach one day. Um, I wanted to be an AD one day um, and then possibly administration, like whether it's principal superintendent, but, for sure, like my career goals were AD, head football coach, somewhere in the country, you know, and that was my goal. That was my path. So he calls, Van Dam calls. He goes, we got this opportunity to GA at the University of Florida. We just got hired here. Would you be interested? And I, like, was speechless. I was like, where? Like, the Gators? The University of Florida? Like, you got to be kidding me, man. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I, I, you know, I need you to go take the GRE if you're serious about this. Uh, I need you to score at least a 300. And I'll never forget um, when this became a possibility at a senior study hall. Um, I remember having a girl in my senior study hall, Maria Ross, who was like a math genius. Um, and I was like, Maria, will you like tutor me? <laughs> I like, I was like, I got a good, I was good in math in high school or decent. I got a, I think I got a good ACT score in the math section, but like I hadn't taken a math class in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And she was like all world calculus, whatever. I don't know. And I was like, will you, will you help tutor me? And so she did and <laughs> went and took the GRE in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and uh, scored high enough where I got accepted into Florida. I had you had to score like above a 300. And I uh um I, I did. I don't remember the exact score, but thanks to her. Um, the math was what I was worried about. She got me up there. The reading, I felt good about. I felt like I could still read at uh that's good at a decent level. But anyway, so took the GRE. Then they I went down to coach Florida's camp 
that summer, their, their high school camp. And that was like a four day interview for me. Um, the offense coordinator, Doug Nussmeyer, the head coach, Jim McElwain, they kind of put eyes on me, knew I had been accepted to grad school and it was just, they just had to give me the thumbs up and I was good to go. So, um, ended up getting the job. They offered it to me, came back, um, told the principal, Mike Johnson, that I'd been offered this opportunity that I think I was going to take it. Um, but I, I still, it was very hard to leave Hastings. It, so hard in fact that I begged, uh, Mr. Johnson to, um, allow me to do like a two year leave of absence. Cause it was technically like grad school. And, you know, in case I was like, if this isn't for me, can I come back? Cause like, I loved Hastings that much. And he somehow, some way was able to pull some strings and allow that to happen. And then, uh, um, went to, went to Florida, um, after my second, you know, I was working with receivers. It was awesome. It was such a cool experience. Like SEC football is next level from just the culture and atmosphere, 90 plus thousand dollar games. You know, we had a lot of success early on with the SEC, uh, SEC championship, won the East in 15 and 16. Um, and then I was told after my second year that, Hey, we've got a spot here for you to stay on long-term, not just as a GA. Um, we need you to GA as a third year because the only guy left over that knows our signals, and I had to signal in on <laughs> game day because we just had our support staff had changed so much um, second to third year. So anyway, that happened. Um, we had a rough go, you know, our third year. We had some key players get suspended um, for off-the-field issues, and then um, our head coach, Coach Mack, um, ended up getting fired midway through the third year and and that's just kind of um the rest of the staff they're allowed to finish up the year but we all knew we were pretty much done after that third year so um you know it was unfortunate coach McElwain is uh he's a great man like I owe him so much for the opportunity to be there uh learn a ton and and those three years at Florida man I learned so much about football um I learned a lot playing growing up around football but those three years I learned, I got my master's in football. I got my master's in educational technology as well. <laughs> okay. But I also got a master's in football and built quality relationships. And also looking back at my entire life, 34 years, those three years, I've never worked harder in my mm -hmm. life. You're talking four hours of sleep a night. You don't get one day off during the season. You get one day off during the season. That's the Saturday of your bye weekend. Um, but, you know, you're, you're, you're getting your butt chewed all the time. Um, but like, that was the, the best time of my life from a, like a growth standpoint, mm -hmm. people, people were hard on me, um, because they saw something in me and, you know, really wanted me to get it right and grow and develop. And they expected a lot out of me. It's kind of what I'm saying. So I'm so thankful for guys like that coach McElwain and shoot, he, he was he was ripping my my behind every now and then. Coach Nussmeier was ripping my my behind about every day. Um, but you know, those butt chewings came from a place of love, and they expect saw something in me, expected a lot out of me. And uh, I, between the work ethic and, and them holding me accountable and to a certain standard, I grew a ton. And and uh, yeah, so those are my three years at Florida. We we got let go after that third year. I moved back to Redwood Falls, Minnesota. Um, was living in my parents' basement, took a long-term substitute job. I was, I was, uh, teaching seventh and eighth grade English at Redwood Valley middle school. And then, um, during my time at Florida, I made some relationships with some scouts that would come through. And one of them, 
uh, one of my best friends just in his wedding last summer, Zach Trudy was a uh, um, pretty high up executive with the New York Jets. Um, you know, he, he was able to give me an interview there as a scouting assistant. Um, so they flew me out in May, um, ended up getting that job and then spent a year with the New York Jets. Uh, moved out to, to Florham Park, New Jersey, uh, got on the scouting side of things and um, spent a year there. And then Coach Nussmeyer, who was our OC at Florida, he had been hired in Dallas, was the tight ends coach at the time. Now he's our quarterback coach. A couple guys retired in the Cowboys scouting organization, and he called me and said, hey, you know, we've got some movement here. I'll, if you're interested, I'll, I'll give Will McClay, you know, my current boss, your name and, you know, tell him a little bit about you and we'll see what happens. So um, ended up getting an interview in Dallas and, and offered the job as a college scout. And uh, this is going on my fourth year in Dallas. Um, first year scout in the mid or scout in the Southeast. I was in-house doing a little bit of pro, mostly college, but um, my first two years scouted the, was the lead scout for the Midwest last year, the upper Midwest, I should say. And then um, got moved to the Southeast this year. And it's the Southeast in scouting terms, kind of the holy grail of, of scouting. So I'm, I'm very fortunate and blessed for the opportunity to get moved to the Southeast, watch a ton of great football players. Um, and statistics will show less Southeast will produce the more, majority of the guys getting drafted. So it's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's, it's, it's been good. That's perfect. All right. So we can focus on football here. I really like this question when we interview our alumni, always kind of hear about rivalries that they went through when they were in high school or the kind of teams or events that really brought out the best in them. So let's hear about football since you're kind of wrapped up into football right now with your career. Let's walk through maybe every single place you've been and let's hear about maybe a team, a rivalry, or maybe just an event that re you really got up for. So uh, let's hear about old Redwood Valley High School. Let's hear about Augustana, Hastings High School, and now the Dallas Cowboys. So what's one team, maybe event, or anything like that that you really get, that gets you amped up as a coach, maybe brings out the best in you, and that you really look forward to every single year? Yeah. Um, so when, when I was at Redwood Valley, I think our big rival in all sports uh, was Pipestone. I think historically it would probably have been Marshall High School, but for whatever reason, um, we kind of had bad blood between Redwood and Pipestone. They they rarely beat us. They beat us pretty bad my senior year, but there was a long time. They were really, really close games, really good games, but um, they had some good teams. But they could never beat us. Um, so, so Pipestone was one we would always get up for. Anytime we were playing Pipestone, um, you know, it was, uh, it was on, you had a different level of focus for that week. Um, moving on to Augustana, I think probably our biggest rival at that time was probably your alma mater team, uh, uh, Minnesota state. Anytime That's we were all. playing Mankato, Go uh, Mavs, baby. Won, beat them. Um, Duluth was so good at the time. Um, they were, they had won the national championship in 2008, 2010, and they had beaten us, um, in 08, 09. And so that 2010 year, they weren't on the schedule, but we wanted those guys bad. We wanted to play them. And we, we ended up playing them in the playoffs and lost um, late in the playoffs, but they ended up winning the national championship. I think now Augustana's big rivals, the University of Sioux Falls, at that time they were NAIA. We were Division II, so we didn't have that that yearly crossover game. But now they they made the jump to Division II, and that's kind of the rivalry. But uh, moving on from there, um, Sioux Falls, Washington, really. 
Um, we had lost in the state championship my, my year there to, to Roosevelt, but O'Gorman was a private school in town and we wanted to beat them pretty bad. Um, Hastings, I mean, park parks, always a rivalry. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's a different level of, uh, right. Focus and, and really just energy in the building. Um, but also I always felt like in, in football, you know, we were in the old SEC at the time, the Suburban East Conference, and uh, smallest school enrollment-wise other than private school, Creighton. And I always felt like we had a chip on our shoulder. We were the underdog. So when we were playing Stillwater, which enrollment's through the roof, or we were playing Creighton, who's got that rich football tradition, there was like, hey, let's go get – let's get after these guys. You know, there was mm-hmm. – at least for me, I was like, let's go prove that, hey, we're not the little brother. We're not the – you know, we're not the run to the litter. Like, we can beat these guys. And – and we did, you know, uh, a couple years uh, over that time. So that was cool. At Florida, I've never said anything positive about Florida State. I scout <laughs> Florida State now, and, and I know some guys on staff there. There's some great people, but that that rivalry is real now. Um, always uh, Tennessee is always a big rivalry. LSU is a big rivalry. Mm-hmm. We had some classic games, all time, just unbelievable finishes. We beat. LSU on a goal line stand to go to the SEC championship. And that was back when they had Trey, Trey White, Jamal Adams, Darius Geis, Leonard Fournette, like a who's who of NFL players. Um, Devin White. I mean, we beat them on a goal line stand to go to the SEC championship. Tennessee, Tennessee Tennessee was like a last second Hail Mary, right? Yep. In both 15 and 17, we beat Tennessee um, on the last, you know, we beat them on a fourth and 14 that we went 80 yards to score a touchdown to take the lead and our defense stopped them. And then in 17, yeah, we beat them on a Hail Mary. Um, and, and really the play call in 15 and 17 on those game-winning touchdowns was the exact same play. We threw it to a different guy, but the exact same play call, which was cool. Um, and then uh, New York Jets, it's crazy the, the longevity of Tom Brady. I remember being on the sideline in pregame when he was with the Patriots and we were playing him with the Jets. And I was like, man, he, he might retire after this year, like – this is you're seeing the goat right here and shoot fast forward five years he's still playing so better yeah um we we had a rough year with the jets they've had some rough years since so we were four and 12 that year so anytime we got a win we were pretty happy uh well in dallas the big rival um i think is the eagles you know that's uh and they're playing really well they're four and oh right now we're three and one so i think that's good that division rival is is going to continue on growing up as a Viking fan. I I've never liked the Packers. So I always still root for the Packers to lose every Sunday. So for as a personal rival in the NFL, like I want to get after those guys, but know some scouts there, um, both with the Eagles and the Packers and they're really good dudes. So it's hard to like, you meet good people that work in the organization. It's hard to root against them, but um, those are definitely probably our rivals. For sure. So you've had an awesome career ever since you graduated from Augustana. Uh, you've been at Sioux Falls, Hastings, Florida, New York, and now Dallas. I know it's an impossible question to ask maybe one or two people that's had that you that you've worked with that's had a, a big positive impact on your life. So if you can maybe name a handful of names from yep. uh, any of those spots, uh, and you've already done so with a lot of people too, but uh, if you just want to give anyone else maybe a shout out and maybe 
talk about how they had a big impact on you and maybe what they did for you too, moving forward. So uh, who would those people be in your life that had a big positive impact on you, kind of your professional career ever since you graduated from college? Yeah. So uh, easy question to answer. I mean, now there's been several, I mean, I could go, I could talk for days about the number of people that have played a huge role in my life. But like when I think of mentors, I still talk to, to this day that have really, you know, to help me grow, continue to help me grow. I think of my head football coach in high school is a guy named Matt Lundeen. Um, this is a guy like he's, he is, uh, he, he's one of the most motivational people I've ever been around. And he does it in such a unique way. Um, you know, I remember I was his water boy as <laughs> a fifth grader. He was a 22 year old head coach at the time. <laughs> um, and uh, he really saw me grow up. He was a teacher of mine in sixth grade. And, um, you know, he always took a vested interest in me. And I think when my brother signed a letter of intent to Augustine, I remember being so happy for my brother, but also kind of in my feelings a little bit like, gosh, I'll probably never have that opportunity. And I was a freshman, like I said, wasn't very good pre-puberty. I remember going to FCA, which he ran, and he said, man, just I can't wait for three years. That's going to be you signing that letter of intent. I'll never forget that. And that was just kind of a motivational spark, like, well, I don't believe in myself, but he believes in me, you know, and I think um, highs and lows in life, we still, he and I still talk all the time, all the time. And, um, you know, I still tune into Red Valley football games, wishing him nothing but the best and success, but he's a guy like whenever you're doubting yourself, he is a guy that's always been bringing me up, keeping me positive. He is probably, he's a very, um, very Christian man who has like helped me grow in my faith a ton throughout my life. Just not just through, um, you know, running it, leading FCA and, and getting me interested in the Lord, but also like just me observing who he is as a man and how he treats people. Um, he's, he's one, one of the largest influence on my life. Obviously I touched my dad, my, my brother. I mean, those are, I could talk for days. They're probably, mm -hmm. you know, you know, my mom to my whole, I mean, my mom is the, nicest most loving like she wants she loves us kids so much and wants the best for us and would do anything for us and has done anything for us like without her love and support i wouldn't be anything but professionally speaking um john van dam coached me in college brad salem was my head coach and you know also a huge impact on me um coach aldrich mike aldrich huge impact on me but john van dam guy i talked to all the time he taught me football he he showed me how to be a good GA. You know, I had some lumps my first year at Florida, just being, you know, just swimming and drowning and just the information overload and learning our offense, learning our players, learning organizationally what documents people want. Like it was uh, nobody teaches. I would have been so lost without him. And he's such a good football mind, such a good person that he's invested in my development. Doug Nussmeyer, though, is like, he is uh, he's built my football foundation and he was so hard on me at Florida and I loved it. I loved him for, there's probably some days I wanted to strangle him by the neck, but that's my guy. And he is, uh, he's a brilliant football mind that saw something in me and wanted to teach me and wanted to help me. Um, and he's helped me every step of the way. He's a quarterback coach in Dallas. I still hit him up and ask him questions, um, whether it's X's and O's, but like um, that, that guy really, I owe him so much. Um, you know, Jim McElwain gave me an opportunity at Florida. Um, Zach Trudy is 
in the scouting side really helped me, hired me in, in New York, um, really helped me build my foundational, my foundation from a, a scouting philosophy. Um, and then, you know, Will McClay in Dallas right now, he's a guy I really believe in. You know, it's – I struggled going from coaching to scouting, like missing coaching. I really missed it for a long time. And um, I had Zach in New York, but he was on the road so much that I didn't interact with him day to day. And I think that year I missed coaching. I wanted to get back into coaching somehow, some way. I got to Dallas and I worked for this guy named Mil Will McClay who is so intelligent and he's so uh, fair and he is so such a good human being that he has taken so much time out of his day on a daily basis to invest in my development. Um, and he doesn't just care about how you grow and develop as a scout. He asks about your family. He asks, you know, I'll get a late night text from him. Hey, I watched this good Netflix documentary. You should watch this. <laughs> he's, um, he's special. So I bring that up like, he is the one that is the reason I fell in love with scouting. And um, I think without him, man, um, I'd probably still be itching to be on the, the coaching side. But, you know, it's one of those you work for a good person that you truly believe in. You know, that's what any job is all about, that, that you believe in the way they do things, but they also believe in you. Um, it's a give and take. And, you know, I, I've been blessed with a supportive fan. Paul White, I think, is um, – I think everybody in the Hastings community would probably echo this. There's not a a guy that can build up somebody's confidence more than he can, and he does it just through pure love and belief. You know, when you don't believe in yourself, he believes in you, and he's going to he's gonna hold you to a level and, and motivate you to get to a level that you truly can accomplish. And he did that to me when I was a teacher. Um you know, he was at every every football game, even before Mark was playing on the varsity teams. Like he was, he was at the JV games I was coaching, and so supportive. Uh, my my aunt Jill too. Like I, I'm just play. I could go on, but professionally speaking, I think John Van Dam, Doug Nussmeyer, Matt Lundin, um, Will McClay, Zach Trudy. Those guys are. They've invested in me, and they've helped me grow, and they make sure I don't fail. Perfect. Before we get to our last couple of questions, then Eric, um, let's just put a bow on anything else here. So we got, uh, we've gone through a lot here, Redwood Valley. We've gone through Augustana, uh, Sioux Falls, Washington, Hastings High School, Florida, Newark Jets, and now the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, anything else to add from your journey from little small town, Redwood Falls to where you are right now? Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, people will see that, oh, you work for the Dallas Cowboys. You, you grew up in a small town. Like, how do how do you how did you accomplish that or what that like? I one luck. I, I had people that um, helped me help me along the way. But really, I think uh, to reach any level of success in whatever field, like the ingredients I've always stuck to is just like treat people the right way, work extremely hard, and have a willingness to learn and grow and remain humble. You never want to be the guy that comes across like he's got all the answers. Um, but but those ingredients, I think, have, have helped me along the way um, from being a, a player to a coach to a teacher as a, as a grad assistant, lowest man on the hierarchy ladder, um, you know, to, to scout in the NFL and scout in the Southeast. I think um, 
hard work, a willingness to learn, a positive attitude, and just like treating people the right way and investing in those quality relationships. And that's what it's about. And I think uh, no matter what your passion is in life, whatever your sector sector is, like those are ingredients that I think have, have bred success in a number of number of people. Mm-hmm. And I think those kind of lead into our last couple of questions. We always try to ask, ask our guests here for pieces of advice for our parents, coaches, or student athletes. So um, I'll just kind of wrap them up. I usually ask them separately, but I'll just kind of wrap them up in all one here. Um, if you want to use those same pieces of advice that you just gave us, uh, that'd be great. If you have anything else to add in, um, if you're talking to parents, coaches, or student athletes here in high school, um, anything else to add from your experiences, what would they be? All right. If I'm talking to, to, to kids and players, like the, especially ones at Hastings, I appreciate your, your coaches there. It's Hastings is a special spot. I mean, I was blessed to coach alongside, like watching a guy like Pete McGinnis at the youth level. Um, I, I mean, like he's unbelievable, motivating kids, treating kids right, and keeping guys invested in the sport, and then also a, a great coach and knowing how to win, things like that. I mean, appreciate guys like Josh McClay, Tim Hannaford, Paul Olson. You guys give Adam Wells, like – Paul Vite. I mean, I could go on and on. You guys give so – Dana Strange, Jason Cook. You guys give so much of yourself um, for really no money. You, you know, not a lot of money at all. And you give so much yourself to, you know, give a free investment into kids pretty much. And I, I just hope kids realize that. It's not like that in other parts of the country. It really isn't. And in, in Minnesota and Hastings, it's especially is so unique in that regard. Parents, too. I, I think parents really – I, um, one of the coolest things when I was at Hastings, and I always said, if I'm ever, if I ever have kids, I'm going to do this. But um, uh, I think it was, I think it was um, Pete Zach. Uh, after a youth camp, I was working with one of his kids. Came up to me at the end of camp, and I think it was my first week in Hastings. And he shook my hand. And he said, "Hey, really appreciate your work with my kid." You know, and it was just like something little to say. You know, it's he probably says it to everybody, but like, I remember that, like, mm-hmm. wow, like comments like that make coaching worth worth it, you know, being appreciated. But like, I've been on that side where I've seen the hours that you pour of your, like you're spending time away from your wife, your kids, your family to invest in, in the com- the kids of the community. And there's so many, I hope parents realize like, keep their focus on the things you develop playing sports. I wanted to win a state champion in track. It didn't happen, but I learned how to work. I learned how to treat people. I learned how to be a good teammate in football. I learned so many lifelong lessons that helped has helped me in what I'm doing today. It helped me as a teacher. It helped me as a coach. It's helping me as a scout, regardless of the level. Um, if you can get done playing sports and you walk away saying, I learned how to be a teammate, learn how to give them myself, I learned how to work hard. That's a foundation that's going to help you be successful. And I think you got to learn that when you're in high school or early college. Very few people kind of, you know, well, everybody sees the light, but sometimes it's too late, you know. Um, but that's the ingredients. It's simple, but, you know, you got to do some hard things to accomplish, you know, those build that foundation. It's not easy waking up early in the morning. It's not easy lifting weights. It's not easy running yourself to exhaustion almost, you know, 
Mm-hmm. It's not easy, um, you know, kind of having a coach get on you a little bit, and being humbled, and it's easy to get in your feelings, but realize, hey, no, that guy, that guy believes in me. He's coaching me hard because he sees something in me, and he he's trying to bring it out of me. You know, like I know you asked for two pieces of advice. That was a lot, but uh, <laughs> that's all right. It, it's I, I, I'm I just think Hastings is, is such a special place, and and the guys that invest in the youth programs and the varsity programs and every step along the way. Um, I, I hope the Hastings community is really appreciative of the guys they have there. Um, cause it's, uh, you guys are building people the right way. You know, you could say building athletes or building student athletes, or, you know, obviously you can point to all the, all the success you, you win. I mean, winning is so important and it is, but like teaching kids how to work, and and um all the things I, I previously mentioned that you guys do it the right way and it's, it's something i i look back on my three years in hastings and think very fondly of i appreciate that eric that's all the questions i got for you so at this time we always turn the mic over to our guest so anything else you want to talk about any questions i didn't ask you anything else you want to get off your chest any other shout outs you want to give uh, like i said this time is yours and you can go for it Oh man, yes, me on an open mic, we might be here for another 20 minutes, but no, uh, like I said, I mean, I, this podcast is cool. And, um, like I said, all the, all the people in Hastings from Pete McGinnis to Josh McClay, Paul Vite, Paul Olson, Andy Lutz, you know, Jason Cook, Dana Strain, you guys have an unbelievable John D. Walt, like, man, I mean, there's people that have come in and out of Hastings, you know, you know, that I think they probably look back and they've got stories and positive memories to share on all those people I mentioned, but no, man, I just, I don't really have any, anything else to add. Um, go Cowboys. We're three and one right now. They're back at quarterback. I'm fired up about it. Um, I'm sitting in a hotel in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm actually going to the university of Alabama tomorrow. I was at UAB today, Sanford the day before. So I'm, I'm grinding the road right now. And so, uh, you get sick of living out of a suitcase and, and traveling all the time. So it's fun to get, get on a podcast with you and talk about Hastings and bringing me back to those fun games. those fun people I've met along the way. Um, but it's uh, that's a special place and a special experience of my life. Perfect. Thanks, Eric. Thanks coach Hanneberg. 